Hello and welcome to the Calvary Chapel Southeast podcast. Thank you for joining us for our Grace and Truth series. At times in the Christian walk, grace seems at odds with truth. How do we show grace to our neighbor without compromising on the truth? How do we defend the truth without becoming utterly devoid of grace? The answer to these questions are found in Jesus, who is full of grace and truth. Grab your Bibles and let's jump right in. Good evening tonight. Welcome to Calvary Chapel Southeast. In case you forgot what day it is, this is the Wednesday evening service. I always like it how they announce that you're in the second service or the first service when you show up on Sunday mornings and it's like, Good, welcome to the second service. And I'm sometimes I look at my watch just to make sure I knew what time it was. But um, thank you to everyone who volunteers uh, to get everything set up out there, all the food and, and all the, the canopies and chairs and so forth. It's very much appreciated. Um, <clears throat> tonight, I just wanted to say that it's kind of nice to see so many faces, and, and there's so many we haven't seen in a while. Um, Dave and Deanna are here tonight, which is awesome. And when, when you get to be a certain age, rather than saying, hey, my friend had a kid, you say, my friend had a grandkid. So they, they're welcomed in their first grandchild, and I know they're super excited about that, as well as Daryl and Linda, and uh, just congratulations, you guys. That's super exciting. And Wayne and Becky, it's great to see you guys. It's been so long. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. So the word for the night is flexibility. I was going to teach on truth, but actually the fact that we're in here, we're teaching on flexibility, or at least we need to show a little bit of flexibility. So rather than um, sharing outside in the beautiful sunlight and the cool breeze and the nice fresh air, we get to be in this controlled environment with LED lights and, and just enjoy one another's company in here. But it makes me think about Proverbs 16, 9. And it says, the mind of a person plans his way, but the Lord directs his step. And so that's the first truth that I wanted to share tonight was that even though we had an idea of what it might look like, we have these plans and ideas, but the Lord truly does direct our steps. So my name is Keith. I am not a pastor here, and um, I am just a man who loves Jesus. And as that song said that we were singing tonight, I am a child of God. And I am so grateful and thankful that um, God has given me that gift of salvation. Um, I want to remind you that we're going through um, kind of a book, uh, very loosely going through it as as uh, these Wednesday nights Grace and Truth series um, are upon us, and that is Randy Alcorn's book, Grace and Truth Paradox. So if you haven't read that or you don't have a copy of that, I would actually suggest you get that. It's a really good book. It's a short read, but that's really where the basis is coming for these messages. And um, so it's really taking that biblical truth of truth and grace and applying it in a balanced way in the Christian life. So tonight, I get to look at the subject of truth. Last week, um, Kevin was kind of laying out for us what grace looked like. And today, I I get to ask the question and hopefully answer it in a little way. What is truth? But more than that is, why does it matter? Why does it matter 
that we live by a biblical standard or by a biblical truth. Because truth is really a complex topic, but it, could, it can be simple. And so I'm hoping that uh, when we leave here tonight, we have a little bit more understanding of what biblical truth looks like, but it really is so that maybe you hunger more and you thirst more as we go from this day forward, seeking out the truth that we find in God's word. So last week, Kevin um, shared that grace is unmerited favor of God toward man. Now, that wasn't a new concept. I'm sure if you've been a believer for a long time, you understand that grace is unmerited. We don't earn grace. Grace is given to us, but it's profound. And that he said that in order to fully receive the grace, we also need to be dispensers of it. So not only does God give us grace, but um, our brother Tim Rawls, he is a grace guy. And, and he has shared with me numerous times that we are a conduit of God's grace. And I think that's what um, Pastor Kevin was alluding to last week. But he also said that if you want to be an, a receiver of grace, and you embrace God's grace, that it has to come with truth. That there's always truth and grace working together. So we ask the question today, what is truth? What is truth? So I kind of wrote out some scripture here that I summarized it. So I'm going to read it as scripture, but sort of as summary as well. In the early morning, Jesus is being led from the house of Caiaphas over to the headquarters of the governor, Pilate. As he stands there accused, Pilate asks his accusers, what accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. So as they continued to discuss this further, Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born. For this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no fault in him. So that's where we're at today. What is truth? This question has been asked for not only decades and centuries, but for millennia. This question is something that has been asked ever since Jesus has arrived onto the scene, and we even ask it today. So hopefully tonight, I develop a little bit understanding of what is truth. My verses are out of John chapter 17, verse 17. 
And as you're turning there, I want to give you a brief summary of what's going on in this chapter. So if we look at this portion of scripture, we see that Jesus is praying to the Father for the believers. In verse 17, he is praying that they may be sent into the world and be sanctified in truth. That you and I will remain in the world, but our lives will be untouched by the evil one. You do know that the world hates Christians, right? I would assume that we all kind of know that. We see persecution all over the world. There's people even today right now imprisoned for following the truth. They're imprisoned, they're beheaded, they're killed, they're persecuted, they're, they're scattered. The world will hate you. And, and Jesus made that very clear in this prayer. He reminds us that we are to be set apart by the truth, and in so doing, the world will be hostile. We see it every day in our culture. And in these verses, Jesus is asking the Father to set us apart and to protect us from the evil one. John chapter 17, verses 14 through 19. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they may be sanctified in truth. Jesus tells the Father in this prayer, or, or reminds him, that your word is truth. In our world, we have many truths. There are some things that are indisputable, like this is a podium made of wood. That's a truth. This is a microphone in my hand. That's a truth. I'm reading off of a tablet made by Samsung. Unless it's a knockoff, that's a truth. <laughs> and they're indisputable. We can't, we can't say, no, that's not a microphone. You know, that's whatever it is. But it's a truth. And so when it comes to physical things, there's a lot of truth. And we all agree to it. But when it comes to philosophy and morality and worldviews, then that's where things start to change. And what happens is they become clouded. Our thoughts and our thinking about what is true becomes clouded because we have a culture that points us to whatever we decide is truth is true for that day. When Pilate asked the question, what is truth, he didn't really want an answer. If you look at that verse, it says after he said um, what is truth, he walked out. He, he didn't wait for an answer. He didn't wait for Jesus to respond and explain, you know, that he's the truth. And we see that in our culture today. Most people are searching for the truth, but they don't want to know the truth. And what happens is they create their own truth. And the reason for that is because they don't want to conform to someone else's truth. They don't want to obey, they don't want to live by, and they don't want to be told that what they think and feel isn't true. So rather than looking at the word of God, and discovering the truth that it contains, we create our own ideas, and then we call them truth. Take, for example, what we see in our culture. Today we have racial uh, 
division. We have sexual identity and gender issues. We have social justice. And all of these movements, all of these things that are going on in our culture are all claiming to know or to have the truth. But we know if we can look at history in any sort of light behind us, we know that it's going to change. In a year, maybe two years, there's going to be new issues. There's going to be new truths. There's going to be new ways that we need to live and conform and, and follow after the things of the world because that's what society does. They create their own truth. They create their laws and their truths that we have to follow and we have to forsake the things of Christ if that's what we choose to do. The only problem is that truth is fleeting, that today's cultural truths are fleeting. And I always find it interesting that Day by day, week by week, year by year, they're just constantly changing. I have a few examples of that. In the 17th and 18th centuries, the truth was that if we get these black men and women, we can use them for agriculture, and we can make a lot of money. We can enslave them. We can revolutionize the economy. And 130,000 men died canceling that truth. Less than a century ago, the truth was that Jewish people are germs, and their causes and they needed to be eradicated. And that truth led to the slaughter of millions of men and women, just like you and I. And then we think about the truth of Jesus. For centuries, Jesus has been known as a great moral teacher. That's the truth. He's a great moral teacher. The only problem is he says he's equal with God. And so if I claimed up here today that I was equal with God, would I be a moral teacher? I wouldn't be. So how can you have Jesus being a moral teacher and have him equal to God at the same time and call it one of them's truth? The other one's obviously false. I like what Randy Alcorn said in his book. He says, if we get it wrong about Jesus, it doesn't matter what else we get right. So if we get it wrong about Jesus, it doesn't really matter what the rest of the truths are that we're following after. I love the way Pastor Doug put it in Sunday's sermon as he's preaching through the Gospel of Luke. As good as Jesus is, and even with all the things he has done, he sparked controversy and conflict by people who can't handle the truth about Jesus. People were offended by Jesus then, and they are offended by Jesus now. Makes me think of that movie. I'm sure you all know. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> so what is truth, and what does Jesus say when he says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. One commentator puts it like this. For surely Jesus is the whole sum and substance of all the truths of God. In his divine nature, the true God and eternal life. In his human nature, the true man, whom it behooved to be made like unto his brethren in all things. And in the union of both, the true glory man. And only mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. Blessed Lord. I would say thou art indeed the way, the truth, and the life. To be sanctified in the truth means that you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, are to be set apart. 
the word of God or the truth has a sanctifying um, effect on believers. So as you read the truth, as you obey it, then we can be set apart for the master's use. And it, but it doesn't come without a cost. As I was saying earlier, as believers, you will be persecuted. And that's why Jesus says he wants you and me to be set apart and used by God. And in his prayer, he wants us to be so filled with him and his truth that all the philosophies, all the things that happen in this world, all of the viewpoints, all the politics, all of that, they're like a distant past. They just become worthless. So when we are filled with the truth, we will never waver and we will never be swayed. Jesus tell, or James tells us that pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself unstained from the world. Jesus says in this prayer that your word is truth. Notice what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say your word is a truth. He didn't say your word is one of many truths, or he said your word, as he's praying to the Father, your word is truth. But let's be honest, as believers in Christ, let's be honest. Isn't that arrogant? Aren't we arrogant by saying that? I mean, isn't that like so filled with pride and arrogance that you can kind of understand maybe when the world says, well, how can you even say that? I mean, there's so many ways, there's so many paths, there's so many um, spiritual, you know, religions that will get us to God. How can you say that you have a hold or a lock on truth? Because we all know that as society gets smarter and more intelligent and we have more technology we can discover better truths. I mean, we just sent Jeff Bezos into space. <laughs> like, you know, and we're stuck in a, in a book that was written thousands of years ago by a bunch of guys out in the sand who herd sheep, and we say we have a lock on the truth? Isn't that arrogant? Those are oppositions that you and I will receive if we follow after the truth. And here's a real sad thing. Nearly three out of four Americans say that there is no such thing as absolute or ultimate truth. That's 75%. And the really sad thing is the numbers are almost the same in the church. It's heartbreaking to think that so many believers that call themselves Christian don't believe in truth. They don't believe in absolute truth. So as long as your heart is genuine... And this is cynicism, because <laughs> I don't want this to be taken wrong. As long as your heart is genuine and you love people, you will go to heaven. You're going to be able to hang out with the big man upstairs. I love how Doug says that. Is that true? That's not true. That's not true. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is the, 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 the mindset that the world has that, hey, if I'm just a great guy, if I've got a good heart and I love people and I'm compassionate, you know, love is love, man, then I'm going to heaven. 
The only problem is, is when we look at this, there's like one verse that would wipe that out. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And I think we all know what comes after that. No one comes to the Father apart from me. So as I was reading that, I had to ask myself the question, so how many people can come to the Father apart from Jesus? I think it's pretty apparent. Zero. None. Over the past several hundred years, we've gone from a culture that says there are truths, there are absolute truths, and we try to live by them and model our lives by them and, and um, you know, do what we can to follow them and, and live. And in the last couple few hundred years, science, opinion, and feelings have kind of taken over. And I want to break those three down really quickly. Science says that if you can't see it, you can't hear it, you can't smell it, you can't taste it, you can't touch it, and you can't test it, then it's not true. And so I want to put God in there instead of it. If you can't see God, if you can't hear God, if you can't smell or taste or touch or test God, then God's not true. If God can't be seen, if he can't be heard, if he can't be tested in some form, then obviously he's not real. And I'm sure you guys have seen those little logos on the car that kind of makes fun of the fish. It's got those long legs. So if we can't see God, then why don't we create the eternal spaghetti monster? Because that's the mockery that the atheists have towards Christianity that says, we're just going to serve this guy, whoever he is or whatever he is. Popular opinion says you only have to look as far as your television, your YouTube, your TikTok, or your Twitter to know that what society thinks is popular, and that is a good way to make your decisions. And I debated putting this in here, but I got to say it. If you're, okay, so this is if you're 30 or younger. If you're getting your truth from TikTok, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> and thirdly, emotions, feelings and emotions. They're perhaps the most popular basis for making our choices today. After all, how can I argue with Pastor Kevin if he says, well, I just feel like that's the way that I want to be. I feel like that's my truth. Feelings are not a good standard for decision-making. If we say that we have this feeling and this feeling is how I dictate my life, then how can you argue with me if I'm just based on how I feel? I mean, it's, it's my truth. It's my truth. You have your truth. I have my truth. I may look like a guy, but I don't feel like a guy today. So I'm going to identify as something else. And that's my truth. The problem is, is it's going to change tomorrow. Our feelings go up and down. Like the this thing we had on the music today, the, the waves of the sea, they just kept coming in and going out, coming in and going out. And that's exactly how our feelings are. The problem with discovering truth in this way about how we feel about it is it's constantly going to change. And the thing is, how we feel about something doesn't change the truth. The truth is the truth regardless of how we feel. 
I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. A man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him than a lunatic can put out the sun by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of his cell. No matter how we feel about truth, no matter what popular opinion is, and no matter what science and technology tells us, truth is truth. And the truth of God is the ultimate truth, and our lunacy will never erase it. So why does it matter? Why does all this talk about truth matter? Because if we just feel okay about ourselves, and we go through life, and we treat everybody nice, then look at how culture turns out. I mean, everything is just wonderful right now. <laughs> right? I mean, we just feel good because we can go downtown and maybe step over a homeless camp or not get burned by a Molotov or, you know, whatever else. But you know what they're doing? They're living the way they feel. They're living by their emotions and their feelings. So why does it matter? Why do we need to be grounded in the truth and not live like everyone else? So I have three things. The first and foremost is that truth unites believers. So if we claim to be believers in Jesus Christ, we have a found, foundational truth that unites us. And salvation requires it. Salvation requires truth. Not just any truth. Not just any truth will bring me and you into a relationship with Jesus Christ, but the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, the gospel truth. Nothing else saves. When we see churches changing their message from the gospel to the social gospel, then we are no longer united and we are no longer preaching and teaching the same message of truth. It's critically important for the church to proclaim the real truth. The most carefully crafted, smoothly polished presentation of anything less than the gospel will not save. And that's what it's all about. The truth isn't so that we know more things. The truth is so that we and others have salvation. You've heard it said that what you bring a person to Christ with is what you save them to. If it's entertainment, then they expect to be entertained. If it's prosperity and health and wealth, then they're going to get caught up into that. And if it's social justice, then they're going to focus on eternal or external things rather than eternal things and the things of Christ. When we declare the truth of the gospel in unison, united as one body, not just here at Calvary Chapel, but all over the world, then we as a body are one. Ephesians tells us to speak the truth in love. If we compromise the truth in the name of compassion and love or not to offend somebody, then we're not speaking the truth at all and we're not being loving. The truth is love. The second reason, outside of living by and knowing the truth and it being a common thread amongst all of us, is that the truth indwells you and I. We are all indwelled by the, by the truth. John states that the truth abides in us and will be with us forever. I like how one preacher put it. He says, although we have a lifetime to understand the truth, we certainly cannot comprehend the vast depth of all biblical truth. However, all true Christians know the truth of the scripture that saves. All who have been truly saved know that they are sinners 
facing God's judgment, and that forgiveness comes only by divine grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we do not comprehend those facts, we would not be Christians. Understanding the truth regarding our sinfulness, God's holiness, and Christ's substitutionary death for us is necessary for salvation. So the indwelling truth is necessary for salvation. We have the truth built in us. Where there is no truth, there is no salvation. Even though there's dozens of churches, hundreds of churches, thousands of churches who have the name Jesus Christ in their name, but if they don't have the truth, they are far from him. And lastly, the truth will guide us. The truth guides you and me. It guides the believer. 2 John 4 says, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. We are to be guided by and to walk in the truth. The truth of God's word is not only to be understood. It's not just for head knowledge. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I know you all know these verses, or at least you've probably heard them. John chapter 8. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know what? You will know the truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will do what? It will set you free. It will set you free. Simply knowing the truth by itself will just get us nowhere. We are to abide in it. We are to know it. We are to disciple in it. And we are to walk in the truth for a reason. Freedom. Walk in the truth for freedom. We will be free in Christ. And it goes back to that salvation. Why are we free in Christ? Because we are no longer under the bondage of sin and death. And we, it will no longer have a hold on us. Jesus didn't pray in that prayer in, in John chapter 17 for the enemy to be kept from us because he didn't think the enemy would attack us. He knows. He knows the enemy. And the enemy wants to pull us away from Christ. He wants to keep us away from Christ. And the, the antidote is truth. What did Jesus use when he was being tempted? The truth. The enemy distorted it. And Jesus said, this is the truth. But in order to walk in truth and be a witness to the truth, Kevin said what we really need to have last week. Grace. That's why this is truth and grace. Truth and grace. It's not enough to simply know the truth and to walk in truth. But we need to do it with grace. In Jesus, we see the perfect balance of truth and grace. John 1.14 says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, isn't that what we want? Isn't that why we want to know the truth? To be like Jesus. 
right? We don't, we don't need it so that we can have a Bible degree. We don't need it so we can point out the flaws of others. We're not looking to know the truth so I can say, you know, you're really in sin today, or you're, you're this way, or you're that way, and be critical of others. We want it because we want to know more about God, and we want to look more like Jesus. So rather than ask the question, so, so rather, we ask the question just like Pilate did, what is truth? But we don't ask it rhetorically. We aren't asking it to prove a point and walk away. We're asking it because we want to know so that we can come to a full knowledge of who God is through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And not only to know God, but to abide in him and walk in him day by day. Pilate missed it. Have you ever thought about that? I know that scene is, you know, if you've ever seen some of the movies, it's pretty profound. It's pretty intense. But if you think about it, Pilate missed it. The embodiment of truth was standing right in front of him. It was, he was right there, like he could touch him. And he said, what is truth? The savior of the world, the fulfillment of ultimate truth and grace was right in front of him, and he missed it. Pilate missed it. And my heart today, my prayer today, is that we don't miss it. We don't miss that Jesus is right there. Jesus is right here. We have the same opportunity Pilate had. What is truth? And it's right here. It's right here. So don't get caught up in all the truths of the day. Let them go. Whether it be politics or social justice or who knows what it is, the vaccine, I don't know. It doesn't matter. We all have our, you know, platforms of truth that we want to stand on. But the reality is, is this is the truth. This is God's truth. All of those other truths, they're here to get today and they're gone tomorrow. I was sharing with Lori before this message. I said, you know, if you think about it, two years ago, we were all like stuck on different things that were true. And now no one cares. And, and in a year or two, all these truths will be done and we'll be on to new ones. But if we stand on this, we don't have to think about that. We don't even have to worry about it. So my encouragement today, my hope for you and for myself is that you dive into the truth, the real truth, the authentic truth, the one and only truth, Jesus himself. And so we ask like Pilate, we say, we say Lord, what is truth? What is the basis for absolute truth? And so I have an answer. This book. This book is truth. Jesus reminds the Father, your word is truth. And as we know, the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, is truth. Let's not miss it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you, God, that you loved us enough to send your Son. God, we pray that we will go from this place today seeking after you and your truth more than anything else in our lives. Lord, help us to 
truly focus in on you today, Lord. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you for the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to part three of our Grace and Truth series. If you're ever in the Portland area, we would love to have you visit for one of our services. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ccseportland.com. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue in our series together.